Today's show is sponsored by PhoenixNap, the global data center and infrastructure as a service company. Their bare metal cloud helps you automate server provisioning using API, CLI, or popular infrastructure as code tools. You can simplify your infrastructure management tasks and focus on your code, get it out fast. Bare Metal Cloud is simple to deploy, manage, and scale. With more than 20 advanced configurations that are available for near-instant deployment, including servers with third-generation Intel Xeon scalable processors, you can choose between six global locations and get 15 terabytes of bandwidth for free. Leverage raw power of dedicated servers for cloud-like flexibility. Get Bare Metal Cloud today by visiting phoenixnap.com slash bare-metal-cloud for more details. That's phoenixnap.com slash bare-metal-cloud for more details. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. Another Sunday perspective show and uh, continue to move through August, uh, August, October of 2021. Wow, it's uh, it's really moving along in the year. Um, you know, this week, I, a couple of things kind of crossed my mind as I was uh, doing a few different things. Uh, this is sort of this... Um, intersection of a bunch of stuff that sort of, you know, bounced around uh, in my world this week. And I I sort of saw this common thread that flowed through it. And one of them was, uh, you know, up here in North Carolina this time of year, um, and in many parts of parts of the world, at least in the, I guess, northern hemisphere, if you will, uh, you know, we're in the fall, we're in the autumn, uh, we're in the time of year when when leaves change color, and, you know, essentially move from, uh, you know, these, these sort of vibrant systems, uh, you know, we, a lot of times we talk about, you know, in nature, um, you know, oftentimes computer systems will follow what's going on in nature. And so, you know, we have this sort of natural system in which we move from sort of vibrant, uh, you know, trees giving off oxygen and, and providing life and so forth. And then we, we go through this process of, of their, their leaves changing. It's sort of a, a beautiful process. And then uh, the leaves fall. And it's sort of this period in which the system has to rest. And then, you know, in the springtime, uh, whenever that might be in your world, you know, things start to sort of regenerate and rejuvenate themselves and, and come back uh, to this, this sort of life-giving system. <clears throat> and so that was sort of one thing I, I saw, you know, I sort of was, was, it was in my head because it was all around me. Um, second thing was, uh, you know, there's a number of uh, very popular television shows that are beginning to pop up. A new season is coming up. You know, we, uh, if you follow the TV show Succession, which is one of my favorites, um, you know, a lot of excitement around this new uh, sort of season that's happening. Um, you know, and then the last thing is, uh, you know, we, we see, um, you know, we see like IPOs. Uh, so GitLab had a big IPO this week. People were very excited about that. And, and yet, um, even when that happens, uh, you know, we get bombarded here at the Cloudcast with a whole bunch of requests from the new companies that are doing CI and CD and secure software supply chain and all this sort of stuff. And so, you know, there was this sort of overwhelming theme this week that kind of kept hitting me from different angles, which was, you know, this, uh, you know, ending of one part of, of, a, of a cycle and then this, you know, kind of rejuvenation or, or creation of the next generation of the cycle. And it got me sort of thinking, we don't really have that in tech, right? We don't really have any concept of seasons in technology, whether even if you're on the vendor side or if you're on the, you know, the, the user side, the consumer, the customer side of technology. Um, yes, there are announcements and so forth, but there's never really a season. There's never a downtime when which we, we sort of let the systems, uh, uh, you know, fall down, if you will, uh, regenerate themselves, rejuvenate themselves, go through a, uh, a cycle of, of kind of 
you know, dealing with the fact that they've been stressed for a long time. Um, and so what I thought I would do in this uh, Sunday perspective is sort of talk a little bit about, you know, the opportunities there and maybe the thought process that, that could emerge from this that helps us with this sort of ongoing technical debt that we create because we have no concept of, of seasons or sort of rejuvenation periods uh, within the computer industry that, ma- that sort of mimics what we see in, in human life or sort of natural life. So we'll get to that right after the break. Today's show is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. You know how much we value ongoing education on the Cloudcast, and CBT Nuggets is exactly what Aaron and I wish we had when we were trying to get our certification early in our careers. CBT Nuggets is all about bringing a personalized touch to learning about cloud computing, virtualization, networking, DevOps, and much, much more. Whether it's their hands-on labs with personalized coaching or the online chat functions that come up with every instructor-led course, CBT Nuggets' team of experts is always there to help you get the most from your training and your PASA certification. You can check it all out at cbtnuggets.com slash cloudcast and sign up for a free trial. You get access to the full catalog of great training, including virtual labs, quizzes, and other premium features completely free for the first seven days. That's cbtnuggets.com slash cloudcast. And we're back. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to dive a little bit into, you know, kind of this this intersection I've been seeing uh, just this week uh, about a couple of different things in sort of human and natural life that we don't really emulate in any way uh, in, in the technology world, or at least we do it, um, you know, on, on a very small basis. And what it ends up doing is it creates this technical debt, which becomes this overwhelming uh, sort of uh, burden on on a lot of companies and a lot of technology teams and so forth. And so, you know, it just kind of got me thinking, uh, you know, a few questions about, you know, why in so many cases we try and, uh, especially in our in our advanced systems, especially we talk about like distributed systems and the way in which we, uh, you know, things find each other in computer systems, they tend to emulate uh, things in nature. And yet, uh, when it comes to, you know, the systems that we we, we build, and, and more importantly, like, we run and we let run for a long time, you know, why we don't create any sort of mechanisms, uh, any sort of sort of built in mechanisms, they're always sort of bolted on, uh, in terms of dealing with technical debt. And I know part of it, uh, psychologically, I know part of it is, um, you know, our industry tends to get bored with things that are old, uh, we tend to want to leave them alone. And they're not, they're not sexy, they don't have IPOs, they don't get VC funding, and so forth. Uh, you know, nobody becomes a, a hero, if you will, nobody's on the front page of some uh, magazine or so forth, because of, you know, uh, innovating around technical debt. And so, you know, there's, there's psychologically that piece of it. Um, but what's really interesting to me is if you, you know, sort of follow the money, which, you know, is always kind of a good way of, of figuring out where to go uh, solve problems or, you know, kind of figure out how systems work, uh, you know, that technical debt, if you will, the things that, that we run all the time is, you know, 80% of where people spend money. Um, and so it's, it's interesting that, you know, in, in the regular world, we have so many things that, address those types of things. So for example, if we just talk about regular debt, there are all sorts of programs in place for people to help reduce their debt, uh, consolidate their debt, um, offload their debt. There are systems to create you know, bankruptcy if you get yourself into so much problem, but then you're able to, to come out of that and so forth. Um, you know, there are companies that will you know, take certain things off your hands uh, at pennies on the dollar, and, and they then know how to know what to do with it. And we don't really have a mechanism like that in in technology. And I understand that, you know, obviously uh, somebody can't come in and just take your applications and and sort of do things with them because they don't they don't make sense in in other businesses and so forth. But you know, I do feel like uh, you know when we look at some of the other systems in place, I mentioned, you know, we have uh, you know new TV systems, you know, new TV shows that come along, and they sort of allow 
the storyline that we know to reset, right? They don't always pick up exactly on the next day after the last show. So if you're watching Ted Lasso, for example, um, you know, you may be like, okay, well, season two ended, season three will start. Well, very likely season three will start, you know, sort of have jumped forward somewhat, right? They created a reset uh, to a certain extent. I don't have any any insight to the Ted stuff, so don't don't come back to me. But that's what we often see. We often see um, you know, our natural systems, uh, like I mentioned, you know, leaves falling and leaves changing and so forth sort of do that. Um, but even, you know, even even in our systems where we get excited about the new stuff, right, like IPOs and so forth. So, you know, GitLab, congratulations to them. Uh, it's been great to have them on the show in the past and so forth. You know, they'll have their day in the sun uh, this last week. It'll probably go on for a couple of weeks. People will talk about what geniuses they all were for having built the company the way they did. And, and congratulations to all that. But I guarantee in a week or two weeks from now, we'll go, oh, well, that's old. There will be 10 new startups in that space who are all trying to attack a specific feature of that, right? We sort of, you know, we have things built in that deal with that. And so I sort of asked myself a bunch of questions, um, which I thought, you know, might be worth exploring or, uh, you know, kind of considering in terms of, you know, why we don't necessarily do these in IT because, you know, the dynamics around, you know, people is, we're very used to change. We don't love change. Uh, that's an obvious thing, but we're very used to change. We're very used to, um, you know, things having reset mechanisms for various reasons, right? It could be, hey, we just can't afford to keep doing things that way, or the people that were there no longer are there, so we're resetting and so forth. And so I sort of made this list of four or five questions that I thought were, were sort of worth or interesting to explore. So the first one is, you know, why we don't kind of create life cycles around things that we do uh, on a common basis, right? What I mean by that is like, we tend to, to build systems and, you know, we, we do all sorts of ROI calculations and, and all sorts of stuff to figure out, you know, cost and things, but we don't really think about the, the life cycles of them. We sort of let uh, the industry kind of dictate the life cycles for us, but we don't, for example, say, hey, I'm buying a email system, for example, or a collaboration system for five years. And I'm really only thinking about the system in five-year chunks or three-year chunks, or whatever it is, we think about it as like a system I will have forever. And what I want to know is how long are you going to, you know, wherever I get the technology from, how long are you going to prolong that system? And maybe what we need to do is think about it more in terms of, um, you know, I'm going to uh, uh, think about it in, in sort of finite life cycles, right? And what that lets us do is it lets us uh, burn down uh, the the expense that we have on it, um, whether it's depreciation or whatever. It allows us to be thinking about what comes next, and we don't necessarily think about, you know, having to to migrate things all the time. Right now, that may not always be possible, but like, you know, it's a thought process I've never really seen anybody kind of go through. We sort of think about things as you know, going to have them forever. The second thing that was on my list was. Well, we don't really prepare for any sort of resets. We don't prepare for any sort of, you know, leap forwards. And by leap forwards, what I mean is that thing I talked about, like what we have with television shows where you sort of, you know, you, you have something and then it sort of stops and then you are able to, when the new, next thing resumes, to have sort of leaped forward. And we, we have this, you know, concept in technology that's always, everything is perpetual. Everything, you know, is always like, you know, version one, two to one, three to one, four to one, five to whatever. We don't ever sort of plan in any sort of idea of saying, you know, I just want to leapfrog stuff. Like I don't, I don't want to do things in, in perpetuity. Right. And, you know, a great example of that, uh, is, you know, like the Kubernetes community, right. For whatever reason. And, and I don't know what it is. And maybe the good folks at Google or, uh, you know, whoever, um, can explain why they did this, but you know, they, they built this system that 
you know, has requires that you serially upgrade from one to the next to the next, right? So 1.1 to 1.2 to 1.3 to 1.4, there's no leapfrogging. And I understand there's things about backwards compatibility of APIs and certain things like that, but you know, the world doesn't necessarily work that way. The world doesn't necessarily want to always do things in complete serial order. And so, you know, it'd be interesting if we started thinking about building in some of these sort of reset periods or sort of leap forward periods. The second, you know, the third thing that was sort of on my list is we just don't really have um, any part of our industry that attempts to uh, to innovate in this space, right? We, you know, we, we, um, you know, we sort of shift everything in this space, even though it's 80% of the spend, um, you know, as opposed to 20% where all the innovation happens, um, we sort of shifted to become somebody else's problem. If somebody quits their job, some team leaves the company, uh, somebody comes along and says, well, we're going to outsource this to somebody. And even the outsourcers have no motivation to innovate. They just have motivation to take over and sort of milk you for, um, you know, the problem that you've created, right? There's nobody who's innovating in, in this space of saying, hey, how do we reduce technical debt, right? We see innovation happening in finance around technical debt. We see all sorts of things um, in other industries. We just don't see any innovation happen in this space. And again, it may simply be, you know, less about, hey, some new technology. It may be, you know, a... Um, you know, a thing like DevOps or DevSecOps or GitOps or something else in which we go, hey, here's just a better behavior, right? And it would be interesting to see, you know, I don't know what the word would be. I don't want to create some sort of, you know, idea of legacy ops or, you know, whatever the heck it would be, whatever, whatever two words that, uh, you know, in essence are, are oil and water. We put them together and we go, hey, that's a movement. But, you know, it feels like there's an opportunity given the amount of money spent in this space to create a movement uh, around this. Because again, um, you know, we can't, as an industry, continue to just have so much technical debt that that nobody wants to take care of things. Um, nobody, everybody only focuses on the, you know, the next one year, the next two years, and so forth. Um, there's got to be some mechanism to deal with things beyond that that short time window. That's all about sort of buzz and so forth. And then the last thing I was thinking about is, um, you know, maybe just sort of a practical measure is. We tend to have this assumption, and I've seen lots of companies do it. Um, you know, actually, we have some conversations coming up here in the next few weeks to sort of dig into this. But like, we have this assumption that when, even if we have a legacy system or an existing system that we know we're going to eventually move away from, is we never sort of starve that system. We, we sort of, you know, have this idea that we're going to build something new, build something in parallel, and you know, so often, you know, that existing system, everybody goes, "Well, that system can't go down." You know, I don't know why we don't sort of make why we make the assumption that that you know sort of existing system that we know is going away um that we don't accelerate moving away from it by sort of again starving it leaving it alone uh you know not spending the big amount of support on things not uh you know putting as many people on it just sort of going it's just going to do what it's going to do. It's sort of like an old car. You're just happy that it starts. Um, maybe you'll put a few dollars into it to make sure that it doesn't burn oil or that, uh, you know, whatever, uh, the squeaks and so forth aren't as painful as they need to be. But you don't keep pouring money into the old system. And we tend to do that with IT. We keep pouring money and we keep buying support contracts. We keep, you know, uh, suffering over, hey, can we do a patch over something or whatever? Um, you know, I wonder if we couldn't sort of take that money that's spent uh, you know, kind of massaging these things that, you know, we know are going away, our high technical debt, and sort of use it to accelerate uh, the, the next system that's coming along, right? Sort of, you know, pay to accelerate getting that in place so that you can, you know, uh, deprecate um, end of life, that old system, right? So I think there's a lot of sort of interesting thinking that can go on if we would begin to 
you know, start looking at some of the things in, in our life, again, that, that mirror what go on in human life and natural life that have these resets, that have these ways to sort of move from one season to the next, from one <clears throat> state to the next, and stop sort of having the mindset that, um, you know, we have to maintain technical debt forever, right? There's there's opportunities, I think, for innovation in this space. I think there's opportunities for us to sort of accept certain amounts of things just, you know, uh, slowly fading away or quickly fading away. Um, because as much as everybody dislikes change, um, we're very used to change. Uh, we adapt to it very quickly. We, uh, we don't always love it. There are sometimes some ramifications to it, but, um, you know, I think, you know, if I think of, of the biggest thing that's, that people don't love in our industry, uh, well, there's lots of things, but, um, you know, from a practical perspective, it's technical debt. And yet we do very little to really try and address it, even though, um, there may be some opportunities and some systems that we could emulate. So with that, I'm going to kind of wrap it up. Um, you know, there wasn't a very, very long show, but, uh, I uh, just kind of wanted to kind of get a few things out there. Sometimes with these Sunday perspectives, I like to not necessarily um, treat them like the Wednesday show. We're really trying to learn something, get some definitive knowledge. I try and sometimes use these as an opportunity to, to throw some ideas out there, to get some feedback from people. And I know we get feedback from folks all the time. We really appreciate it, your questions that come in and um, your suggestions on topics and so forth. So anyways, uh, the perspectives are always uh, you know a chance for us to sort of think about what's going on in our industry. Are we making things any better? Are we continuing things that... Uh, are difficult for us. Um, and then maybe look forward, look for ideas. And uh, uh, your ideas are always welcome. Uh, show at thecloudcast.net if you have any feedback or suggestions. Um, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for giving us five-star feedbacks and all the places that you get your podcasts. And with that, we'll wrap it up. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 